Vincent Werbergs, Derby. It gives me great pleasure this morning to uh, invite Jenny to speak. This is the second time actually Jenny has spoken. If you don't know Jenny, Jenny is our new curate. She was ordained a few weeks ago at Derby Cathedral, but she did speak here, we think, about 18 months ago um, when she was trying to work out whether she wanted to come to Derby and when we were trying to work out if we wanted her to come to Derby. And it all worked out, which is fantastic. So um, Jenny's continuing our series on the Creed. So I'm going to invite Jenny up and I'm going to pray for her. Look at that. <laughs> Do you know what? I've never had a round of applause, um, but that's okay. It's, it's fine. Um, Father God, thank you so much for Jenny. Thank you for the person you've made her. Thank you for all that you've been speaking to her about in these past few days. Holy Spirit, would you anoint her and would you open our ears to hear what you've got for us? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. So as Andy just mentioned, we're going to be continuing this morning of our um, series, our summer series, which is looking at the Apostles' Creed. And that declares what we believe as Christians. So Andy started our first week and he looked at God the Father Almighty. And then the next week, we actually jumped to the third bit. And we had a really powerful Sunday with the youth-led service and then the preach mania in the evening. And we looked there at God the Holy Spirit. So today we're going back to the second part, where it, where it says that I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. So shall we pray as we start? Jesus, I want to thank you for your presence here today. I want to thank you for all you've done for us. And I pray that as we look at your word together, will you help us just to um, get a bigger picture of who you are, of how incredible you are, and the difference that makes for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. So as Andy mentioned, I've just started here as a curate, so I've moved up from London to Derbyshire, and I'm loving living in Derby. And firstly, say thank you so much. Um, we're way, I keep mentioning Focus last week, and I saw lots of my old friends, they're like, how's it going? And I was like, I just love it at St. Werberg's. It is such a friendly church, and it's been so easy to come in and be part of the community, so thank you. And I love Derby, and we've got beautiful countryside, people are so friendly. The only thing I'm really struggling with is the ring road. My sense of direction isn't good at the best of times. And my worry is at the moment it's okay. People are like, don't worry, you're new. Probably in two years' time, I can guarantee I'll still be struggling with it. But I'm still at that kind of time where um, a lot of the time, it's getting less. Wherever I go, I'm introducing myself because, you know, everything's new up here, explaining who I am. And depending kind of where I am, who I'm speaking to, you say things slightly differently, don't you? Kind of in the context you're in. But I guess for most people in the West today, it is getting slightly less, but most people would still have heard of Jesus. But if you ask different people who Jesus is, or for some might say who he was, they would say different things. So some people might say he was a great historical figure, lived years ago. Others, he was an amazing leader. Some might say he never existed. He's just a crux, which, you know, Christians believe in. Or some people might say, oh, I've heard his name when people are swearing. And actually, some of you here today, you might still be trying to work out, who is Jesus? Who, who would I say Jesus is? And if that's the case, then you're so welcome. It's great that you're here. But I believe that, you know, for many of us, actually, if we were asked who Jesus is, we'd say what the creed is, that we believe he's God's son and that we believe he is our Lord. 
And when we were kind of looking at the sermon series and we realized that the kind of the first time I was preaching, I get to preach on Jesus, Phil was like, wow, you've got bullseye for your first one. That has worked out well. And that is obviously true. Who better to preach on than Jesus? But actually, it's also obviously it's a massive topic. And I'm sure we do want to get home for lunch at some point. So I'm going to home it in by looking at one passage in Colossians. And in a moment, we'll read that together. But just a little bit of background. Um, The book in Colossians, it's like many of the books in the New Testament. It's a letter written by the Apostle Paul. And this letter is writing to this church. And at the time, people believed in gods, but they believed in many different gods. And it didn't really matter which god you believed in as long as you were part of the system. But Christianity was distinct because it's saying, actually, it does matter which god you believe in. And the god we believe in is Jesus. And so he wrote this letter to the church. We don't know what the exact issues were, but something was going on. And he wanted to kind of focus on the answer and say, actually, it's all about knowing the real Jesus. So should we have a look at this passage together and see what Paul says? It will come up on the screens, um, but if you want to look it up as well, perhaps on your phone or there's Bibles around, it's going to be Colossians 1, starting at verse 15. So it says, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. What an amazing passage. And we see here this reminder that Jesus is fully God. He came to earth, he was fully human, but at the same time he's fully God. That is always so hard to get your head around, isn't it? And the first verse in the passage said, the Son is the image of the invisible God. Or the message version puts it in a beautiful way. It says, we look at this Son and we see the God who cannot be seen. As we look at Jesus, we see the God who cannot be seen. And Paul is emphasizing that Jesus isn't just kind of a little bit less than God. He's not the highest of all created beings or an amazing man, but he is fully God all the fullness of God dwells in Jesus. And because of this, Jesus is important, but he's so much more than just important. We can't stop there. It means that Jesus is supreme. And firstly, we see that Jesus is supreme over all of creation. Paul keeps using the phrase, you might have heard it as we read it together. He keeps saying that phrase, in all things, everything in creation was created by and for Jesus. It doesn't matter where you go in the world, how far you travel, whether you go to outer Mongolia or a bit more local, you can't find things in creation that Jesus didn't create. And he goes on to make the point, even things we can't see, even the invisible things, still were created by and for Jesus. And I love that reminder. Because of that, it means that Jesus holds all things together. And there's definitely times, isn't there, when you look at the world or perhaps your own life when there's storms. And that reminder that actually whatever is going on, Jesus is still king. Jesus still holds all things together. 
So firstly, Jesus is supreme over creation. Secondly, Jesus is supreme in the church. Verse 18 tells us that he's the head of the church. And for those of you who've been coming to Werbs for a while, you will know our vision statement. But for those of you who are new, and so that I can practice saying it when Phil isn't here, just in case I get it wrong, our vision statement is that we want to build an authentic community which is Christ-centered, that plays its part in transforming the city and beyond. Is that right? Yes, good. Um, and and there's, no, um, there's no coincidence that right in the center of our vision statement is Christ, and that we want it to be Christ-centered. For us, we believe that Jesus, as a church, is Lord. That isn't kind of just part of what we believe. It's not an add-on. Actually, it's the very core of who we are. And because of what we believe, it then determines how we behave. For all of us, the things that we believe then um, alter how we behave. So the rest of our vision statement comes out of that. Because of the way where Jesus lived when he was on earth, because of who he is, we want to be an authentic community. Because Jesus is all about relationship. Because Jesus is all about transforming people's lives. We want the presence of Jesus in us, not just to stay in this building, but we want to go out of those doors. And we want to do our part in seeing this city and beyond transformed in the power of Jesus. And then thirdly, Jesus will always be supreme. Again, the message version puts it in an amazing way. It says, he, being Jesus, was supreme in the beginning and leading the resurrection parade. He is supreme in the end. In other words, Jesus is, was, is, and will always be supreme. We're not just going to be Christ-centered for 2019 and then 2020 we'll have a different idea and something else will come along. Jesus will always be at the center of who we are as a community and the things we do. And we often see, don't we, kind of worldly leaders, they come and they go. And sometimes when they leave, we're happier than other times. And sometimes when they come, we're happy or disappointed, depending what we think. But their power and their influence also wavers, depending whether they're making good or bad decisions. We've just got back, um, some of us, from this time at Focus. And I used to, the previous three years, as part of my role, I've headed up the Focus Kids Village. And when I was in that role, I, I would, you know, could go in and I could make decisions and um, people had to do, I guess, because I was in charge, what I, what I said. So if I saw something I didn't like, I could change it. This year it was completely different because I've stepped down from that role. And a few of the days, I had the fun of taking some of our children from Werbs along to the groups. And actually, I didn't see anything which wasn't good, just to make the point. But even if I had, I had no influence. I no longer could go into a tent and say, actually, I don't really like that, or don't forget this, or have you done this? Because my role had changed. But the role of Jesus will never change. He will always be supreme. And again, I find that so reassuring, that kind of when the storms come in my own life, and suddenly it doesn't feel that things are so certain, to be able to look away from things going on and to look to Jesus is an amazing privilege and it changes everything. And because Jesus is supreme over creation and because he's supreme um, over the church and will always be supreme, it means that he's all sufficient. We don't need to look beyond Jesus. We don't need Jesus and the gospel and something or someone else. Jesus is all sufficient. The last two verses, verses 19 and 20 said, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, 
and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Through Jesus dying on the cross, our sins can be forgiven. Through what Jesus did, we can have a relationship with God the Father, with the help of the Holy Spirit. It's all there in Christ. We don't need to go anywhere else. And um, for me, I was brought up being taken to church. And so from a really young age, I believed in God. I kind of can't remember a time when I didn't. Even as a small child, I would pray. But for many years, actually, I really struggled as a Christian. I saw kind of God, I got, I slightly got the first part of the creed that, you know, there was this almighty God. But actually, I saw it all about duty. And most of the time, I thought of God as pretty grumpy. And your kind of job was you have to try and do things to please him. And sometimes you can, but actually not that often. Because as humans, we all mess up, don't we? You know, Andy earlier said, like, even this week, we know we've got things wrong. And for many years, I lived this really compromised life. It was like I wanted to please God, and then I'd believe a bit more. But actually, you can't get there that way. And through some circumstances, which is a story for another day, I really began to have my eyes opened and I began to have a personal relationship in Jesus. I didn't kind of just believe the facts about him, but I began to know Jesus. And with the help of the Holy Spirit, as I began to see Jesus and saw him for who he is and his love and his kindness and his goodness and that he's for me, it began to change my opinion of God the Father. And what I realized was that as I fell more in love with Jesus, I began to see that actually he was all supreme and all sufficient and that he'd come to give me life in all its fullness rather than what I felt, that he was trying to restrict my life. Everything changed. And actually the way I behaved began to change. I'd love to say I was perfect from then on. That is so far from the truth. I live with myself 24-7. I know what I'm like. But actually my heart began to change and I wanted the way I lived. And there was one moment moment when actually, you know, I said, okay, actually, Jesus, I don't want to live this compromised life anymore. Can you help me to live fully for you? Because actually living half for you and half for the world just doesn't work, and it's really tough. You know, what we believe changes how we act. And part of that response is that as we see Jesus for who we are, is that we want to worship him and part of that is like the decisions we make, so day in, day out. But another amazing way of worship is when we stand together and we sing. I, I've just finished as part of my training and being at theological college, and it's a real privilege to get to study theology. But sometimes your head gets really caught up in it and trying to work out what do I think, what don't I, it's all these different opinions. But the thing I loved about my college, and it's one of the reasons I went, is because they said, more than anything, we want you to finish a three years training with us, more in love with Jesus. Because actually, if you're more in love with Jesus, you'll probably become more Christ-like. So every Monday, we started and finished the day by simply standing and worshiping Jesus, by standing and declaring again who he is. And I loved those moments. So however much my brain ached during the day, and however much I felt like, I just don't know anything. I feel like I know less than when I started. Actually, I could come back and say, it's okay because Jesus is Lord. And one of the things I've learned over the years for me is that actually if I'm not moving forward with Jesus, if I'm not 
becoming more Christ-like and growing. That I went through a stage where I thought, actually, you know, life's quite busy. I think I'm just going to tread water for a bit. That doesn't really work. You start to slip back in your walk with him. I, I really love swimming. It's one of my passions. I'm not amazing at it at all, but I love swimming, particularly outside. I'm one of those people that if you're out on a boat trip um, and they can drop you in the middle of the ocean and there's no land around, I just love it, that feeling of kind of being out in a big open space. And I love swimming with the tide because it feels easy and you've got the power of the waves behind you. And I love swimming against the tide for the first few moments. And I always start really enthusiastic, thinking, this is great, it's a challenge. And then a few moments in, it feels a bit harder and it feels quite tough. And often I think for us, actually, living for Jesus, there are moments like when we're in church or perhaps when we have Christian friends or for some of you it might have been when you go away if you've been to a Christian festival and it feels a bit like you're swimming with the tide. You know, we're there together, we're worshipping and we're going with what's happening. But actually, as we step outside these doors and we go off to our jobs or perhaps some difficult relationships or the kind of other things going on. So often it can feel that you're swimming against the tide. There's so much of the world, isn't it, which says the absolute opposite of Jesus being Lord, where it tells us that other things are much more important, that money, um, power, and often within ourselves as well. I know there were times when I think, no, what I want to do is more important. And it's so important that because we spend so much time swimming against the tide, that actually we do put our relationship with Jesus first and that we work out what that looks like for each of us. I know for me the times when things often slip with Jesus is when either I'm feeling disappointed, perhaps things have gone wrong, and though I know as a fact that God hasn't let me down, sometimes it can feel a bit that he has. Or it's those times when life gets really busy and I just try and squeeze Jesus in. It's like, okay, it's a busy season, I can grab a minute here, I can grab a few minutes there. Almost in those times, it's not like I choose and turn around and swim in the opposite direction. It's that I just slowly get start pulling back by the tide. And so we need those things, don't we? Those blocks in our life, those foundations, which will help us to keep Jesus as number one. And some of them are the same for all of us. You know, it's spending time with Jesus. It's being part of a community. It's reading our Bibles. But then the others, there'll be different things for different people. So for me, I know being out in nature, when I'm out in God's creation, that straight away draws me in. And you will have those different things which actually help you to keep Jesus as number one. But what I want to do to finish is for us just to each have a moment before Jesus ourselves. And for some of you right now, you know, life will be going well. You'll be in a really strong place and feeling, yes, actually things are going really well with Jesus. And I know he's there and, you know, I'm doing well in my Christian walk. And you might want to just spend a moment thanking God for that. But perhaps asking him one way that you could continue to go deeper over this summer period. But for others of you, life is perhaps fairly hard right now and perhaps there have been disappointments or there have been things that have really rocked your walk and you just need that moment with Jesus to say again actually Lord can you remind me of your love for me can you remind me that whatever life is looking like that you are the Lord that you do reign so we shall we just take a moment and just come before Jesus yourself 
and have a moment to talk to him because it's all about him. And then I'll pray. Jesus, I want to thank you for this reminder in the Bible that you are supreme, Lord. I want to thank you that you will always be supreme. And Lord, I thank you that you're not distant and remote and angry, but actually that you're close to us, that you long to have a relationship with us. And Lord, I pray for each of us. Will you help us? to get to know you more? Will you open our eyes, our heart, to how incredible you are? And as that happens, will you help us to become more like you, Jesus? In Jesus' name, amen.